men the moment you have all been waiting for. Brandon Owens, Eric Jeter, and Caleb Williams present Cocky Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Cocky Nation. I'm back. I am no longer Yay! behind the camera or off mic. I'm here. I'm on the podcast. Nice. Today, I'm back too. I yeah, was you're back. last week. Yeah. That was the first episode I missed. And the only episode that Dr. Kenneth G. Bodiford shouted out on the Southern's Facebook page. Shout yeah. out, Dr. Bodiford. If you listen to this one, shout If out. you're listening to this one. Fear the Beak. We appreciate you. Today, on episode 12, I'm talking about the dreadful football game that occurred Saturday against Tennessee Tech. Uh, we're talking about Coach Gross and his future, or potentially lack thereof, at, J- at JSU. <laughs> you good there, buddy? I have, I have a lot of feelings. Uh, we're talking about JSU basketball. Happy mood. Happy mood. Happy Very mood. happy mood. We're filming right after JSU put the whooping. On someone, so we're in a good mood. We're talking about Firebird and volleyball, and last but not least, we're talking about the Southerners heading up to Indianapolis for Bands of America Grand Nationals. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Cocky Nation. Woohoo! Let me get a cough out of the way. <coughs> oh, I'm getting over being sick, uh, so I've still got a little bit of a cough. So, so is all three? Are all three of us getting yeah, over sickness? Life comes yeah, at you fast. None of us, like we're now, not sick. We've all been sick in some form or fashion over the last like month. Alright, so, here's the plan, YouTube video viewers. Uh, there's a TV in the shot. For you listeners, this is going to be a very boring segment for you. But we're going to watch the highlights on the TV back here. Here's Cocktopus, by the way. If you haven't seen him in person, Cocktopus, follow the Facebook page. Uh, we're going to watch the highlights of the game on the camera and comment on them as they happen. Real time. Let's go. Wonderful intro there from the JSU Athletic Marketing Department. Wow, very exciting. Yeah, and missed tackle. Another missed tackle. We've been awful at tackling, but to comment on Tennessee Tech's quarterback, he had a really good game. Like, he barely missed any throws. And whenever he rushed the ball, again, like with our tackling, it was like nobody could tackle. So the quarterback got a decent amount of yardage every time he rushed. Tennessee Tech. Let's let's look at their stats real quick. Why not? Tennessee Tech. Okay, 213 yards through the air by B. Fisher. Who's B. Fisher? What's his first name? Don't know. Don't really care. My man B. Fisher, 20 for 27. Yeah. Efficiency. That ain't bad. That's not bad That at ain't all. bad. He averaged 7.9 yards of reception, yes. two touchdowns, 213 yards. Uh, in contrast, we had 312 yards. Uh, just from Coop, 40 yards from Zion. Uh, Coop was 28 for 41, which is a decent game. No, yeah. 28, 28 for 41? To me, at least, that's not a very good game. That's like just under 75%. Yeah, that's, that's, that's between 70 75%. Yeah, that's efficient. 312 yards. He averaged 7.6 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Now, we said early in the year that if Zion, not Zion, Zarek throws more than one interception, we lose. That still may be the case, but we've also learned that we can lose if he only throws one interception. So, <laughs> help. Zion uh, had one, one completion, one attempt, 40 yards for an average of 40 yards. Good for him. And one touchdown, right? 
Uh, no, no touchdown. Oh, no, he didn't get counts. They just threw, yep. just threw a single pass. Um, that, so, that was when Coop looked like he was hurt, and they took him out for a play. Was he hurt? No. He may have had, like, a cramp, but he wasn't, like, badly hurt. So Zion, for that one play, most efficient quarterback in all of college football, I would say. He's up there. One um, one. I don't know, man. I've seen a more efficient single play. I have a first half to the quarterback for Tennessee Tech. What's his name? Bailey. Bailey, Bailey Fisher. My man. All right, let's keep going. So we've seen bad tackling so far on a JSU highlight reel. So that's awesome. Screen pass. We're used to that. Decent yardage. Out of the shotgun, of course, because our offensive line is bad. Uh, decent run there from 21. Is that Matthews? My- Matthews has easily surpassed Jalen Green as our leading rushing man. Okay, so. For good reason. Here's a little tidbit. I don't think Jalen Green is on roster anymore. Why? Really? I don't think he's on roster anymore. I was looking at the roster earlier today, and he didn't show up on the roster. Did he quit? I think he's either quit <gasps> or he's been kicked off. Why would he be kicked off? Is he, does he have a history of like being problematic? I don't know, but he posted on Instagram some, like, one of his most recent posts involves, involves a stack that's the width of both of his arms. And no college player in their right minds would do that. If they were still on roster, a stack like I'm talking, yeah, we're we're talking several hundred of dollars. Wow, we need to know the T. I want to know. Let's cut to a clip. Let's call. Taking, we're not taking a call from Jalen Green. Um, (laughs) we're not that advanced. (laughs) All right, let's keep going. Not a radio show yet. So Michael Matthews out here killing the game. Good for him. Coop in the shotgun once again. Shotgun uh, was a pistol. That's a good question. Let's back up. Was it shotgun or was it pistol? Huh? It was like that, a five yards. Okay, so that was shotgun. That was that was an offset shotgun. Otherwise known as the spread eye formation. Can we talk about how our run game has finally been where it needs to be? That was a good throw. I wouldn't necessarily you. say where it needs to be, but we found an identity. I think early in Michael in the, Matthews. Well, early in the year, um, that was an awesome throw. That I was saw a good that catch. and it was, a, it was an amazing. So early in the year... Hold on, let's look at this throw real quick. Uh, For all our listeners, this is very interesting. Great throw, good catch, out of bounds at the one and a half yard line. I, was ju- I jumped out of my seat in the study room at Meehan when <laughs> that happened because I thought it was a touchdown. But yeah, then it they showed the... There was the touchdown. Yeah, then Josh Pearson and then a touchdown. when they played back the previous play, it was from this angle, you could see it wasn't yeah. a touchdown. Like we said, this is a very interesting segment for our uh, listeners. Not watching we're, the video. Look at that. We're all about Kick new there ideas. from Bryant Wallace. Right through the uprights. What a guy. Okay, see, that's interesting. So, I noticed early in the year, our running game. Very nice catch. That's a good catch. Pause this right quick. We're going to pause this. Yeah. So, early in the year, <coughs> our running game. I don't know if it was by design, but they're trying to be too cute. For any of you who are familiar, which means they pull a guard from one side or the other to the play side. So... If they're running uh, zone to the left, well, not zone because it's power. If they're running power left, mm-hmm. they're going to pull the left guard. But are they going to pull the right guard to the left side? Right power, they'll pull the left guard to the right side. When we were trying to run power and counter, which in counter is when we pull both the, the guard and the tackle from the other side. And run outside. They're trying to do that up and running inside and outside zone and not trying to get our offensive linemen to run more advanced. On that last, um, on that last pass down the um, down the middle, into fairly decent coverage, too high coverage, so you want to attack the middle of the field. 
In fact, if you run it back, I think I can tell you exactly what play it was. Right through the uprights, nice and high. Brian Horn is missed. Brian Horn? Brian Horn. Brian Wallace. Yeah, Brian Horn. <laughs> Brian Wallace is missed. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right, so, yeah, okay. So, can't really tell what the defensive coverage is, but it looks like it's, like it's throw. either too high or one high down the, um, down the seam. But that specific play was a, obviously, play-action pass off of what's called outside running with a zone read the inside, and they pull the outside tackles. Well, the outside tackle, they pull the far tackle and the far guard. So in that case, they ran said blocking scheme, but then Zarek obviously pulls it and takes a shot down the side. Early in the season, they were trying to run run out of that two involving the play action in it. So they were selling out on an inside run from Coop or an outside run from Michael Matthews, Jalen Green, Uriah West, Austin Kinsey, whoever it might have been. Now we're seeing the play action be the biggest part of our passing game. And in spread offense, the one thing you have to be able to do more than anything is set a play. Even with a team like like Washington State, who only runs the like they still have to be able to set up play action. We haven't been able to do that most of the year. So now we're seeing our passing game predicated on more play action, and I think that's opening up the running game. I think that's really where it's come down to. We've simplified the, the run block scheme into more downhill blocking, and we've started setting it up with play action. We're not a run play action team. We're a play action run team. It's too bad we've done this when it's too late. Yeah, no. Well, yeah. it's too bad we did it in a loss, too. Like, yeah. That was a good pass, good catch. Ooh, that was yeah. good pass rush and a good tackle. I, I will say, Bailey little... Fisher avoided our defensive line like it was nobody's business. Like, I will give credit to our defense though. That For, was also a very good tackle. They they made some plays. There is just it wasn't enough. That was Ooh, a nice see, okay, by Cooper Coop almost got destroyed. But I just want to look like every single play. A defensive lineman just walks straight in and puts pressure on. Oh yeah, that no, was a blown. It was a blown assignment. Completely blown assignment. And there's one of these every single play, and it's right. Let me right guard. Bang. Seventy four. Yeah. He just walks right by him. Yeah. Right guard gets blown up. Well, not so much blown up. It was just an easy swim move, and he and yeah he's moving to his right. And when a guy tries to swim swim inside, and you're looking for 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 a spread pass block, you you leave the a gap wide open. Mm-hmm. At the collegiate level, defensive linemen are too good yeah. for that. Um, I will say, though, uh, if we watch Zarek this play, he terrifies me, first of all. Because right about here, I'm thinking, all right, it's time for Zarek's career to be over because he always takes this hit. He almost always takes this hit in the middle of the And field. if you see homeboy defensive back coming out, coming out of he, The man coming out of the frame here is trying to kill Zarek Cooper. 100%. If we watch this back, and Coop's like, you know what? I'm going to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's trying to murder Zarek Cooper. If there were a targeting call for non contact, that would be it. Here we go. Coop's like, we're going to take this slide because man tries to murder Zarek Cooper. But the thing is, he's gotten better at that because I said this on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Coop oh, terrifies long time ago. me with the hits yeah. he takes. He takes way too many, and yeah. the ones. And even the ones like now when he's sliding more, the ones he takes are just way too vicious. Yeah. Especially if he wants to have an NFL career, he's got to stop taking hits like that. He's got to be smarter. He has another year, so don't think we're suggesting that Zarek is right. an NFL quarterback. No. He has another year of college. <laughs> he <laughs> needs another year we, of college. We'll, we'll talk about quarterback situation later. Yeah. Moving on. Let's try to get this rolling a little bit. That was a good tackle. Yeah. yeah good. Our defense put a lot of pressure on Tennessee yeah. Tab. Yeah. Well, that, that last play, good 
good job by the by the D line of attacking the mesh point on a read option. That was a that was an Another outside read bridges option. with that tackle. Another read option. I'm, I'm noticing what they're doing is they're forcing Bailey Fisher on on zone reads to give. They're they're putting someone that was a good tackle too out, off tackle and forcing Bailey Fisher to give to the running back on zone reads, which is huge. Um, you want to force everything inside if you're a defense. I guess an offense that can move the ball. Our tackling looks pretty good in these clips, but then again, you know. You're not seeing the entire These game. are highlights. Right. <laughs> so, these are supposed to be highlights, not lowlights. Amari Hester, yeah. one of the tallest receivers in college football. Pause this right quick. From what we're seeing here, it makes our defense look really good. When in yeah. reality, the rest of the, the game, our defense looked horrible. <laughs> like, absolutely horrid. Like, we were missing tackles right and left. We could not catch Bailey Fisher whatsoever. We could not put any pressure on him when he when Bailey like I said before, when Bailey ran, we could not catch him. We could not bring him down. So does anyone want to hazard a guess at how many rushing yards Tennessee Tech had? Two forty. Brandon, you want to give a guess? Well I'm looking at it, so I'm not gonna do that. One eighty five. Which is less than I would have guessed. I would have guessed probably like two fifty. Um, but really when you look at their total yardage, we outgained them. Almost by 100 yards. Usually the loser outgains the winner. I don't know why that is, but it's been a scary trend for this conference. I'm trying to look through the stats and see if anything, there's anything glaring out, that, yeah. that pops out. Uh, we had two fumbles, uh, one lost. Offensively, our stats look no fine. Interceptions. Our, re- our receiving stats look awesome, as they always yeah. do. Um, we didn't get any interceptions. Our rushing stats look mad. We had 139. Uh, which is which is on par for this year. Oh, another thing. We had no kick returns. Absolutely none. Yeah, I'm, I want to make a quick note. I personally think that this fair catch rule has gone too far. I agree. This fair catch rule is... Because if... if punting, kick, returning, touchdowns are some of the most exciting plays, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. I agree. But now, you really are kind of pigeonholed into either blowing it out the back of the end zone, which... How many, F- how many FCS kickers are doing that? Not many. No. Or you're saying, okay, we have to pooch kick it outside the 25 so they have to return it. Yeah. Like, that's the only way you're getting returns these days, unless a dude is on the goal line. Yeah. I just like returns a lot, so I just well, I don't like Well, that kick return is only for punt, punts, not actual kickoffs. No. Fair catches. Um, talk about the fair catches. I'm talking about the kick return stats, though. It's, yeah, it's but, but for returns. a broader argument... The fair catch rule, I think, because that's, is a little bit that's of a leading to, to barely any returns. Right now, Tennessee Tech. While I'm looking at the stats, the, they were three for three field goals, longest being a 54. Specialty. And this says 54. I thought it was longer than that. I thought, I thought it was, was like 57. Yeah, that's what, what I, I heard. That's what I heard. ESPN says 54. Whatever. Uh, I I don't think we had any field goals. I'll just double check this. Surprise. Well, I will say this about Surprise. that. Zero for zero. This about that field goal. I heard 52. And then I looked on the ESPN app, it said 57, or 54, and then the reporters later said 57. It and says just, 53 now. And I was ESPN. just like, uh, I'm going to go with 57 because yeah. that's a much better stat. Yeah. I've, I've talked about how I think Gross has handled our kickers and how I think it's a gross mismanagement. It's just people mismanagement. Um, and we're never going to have a good kicker until we have a coach that – knows how to handle psychological positions, positions that are entirely within the head of the player. Because Gross just kills this kid's confidence every week. 
Um, and I'm, we, we, was, we didn't attempt any field goals. I'm sure there were times when it would have made strategical sense to take a field goal, and we didn't. And every time that happens, Brian Wallace's confidence goes down, and he becomes a worse kicker. Uh, but let's keep moving through. Good reception okay, there that, for Josh. Josh had a fantastic game. Yes. Eight receptions for 147 yards. Something like that. Yeah, he had a fantastic game. That's a good pass there. It's a dangerous pass, though. That's a hospital pass. Yeah. I wish we could see, like, the context of these plays. You know, like yeah, the down. You can't really see down left. and distance. Uh, that's a good run there. Rushing oh, touchdown. Oh, that's yeah. a very good run there for Michael Matthews. He bulldozed. Yeah. Uh, was it number 13? What year is he? Michael Matthews? Yes. He'll be here for next year. Okay. We have him. Um, uh, how many more years? Do you know what uh, year he is? Two. Well, I want to say well, he came well. in with Cooper. So he should have one more year then. He's either a sophomore or a junior. One to two more years. He'll have another year. So we'll have, hopefully, an efficient rushing year next year. Or a more the RPO there? Year. Use the RPO. I'm noticing that we're using RPOs more. He almost dropped that pass. Play yeah, action. Luckily, they marked that down before. Another it RPO. Out. That's a true RPO right there. I think was Zarek, I don't necessarily think, is an RPO quarterback. But if he's making the decisions, then I guess you have to let him. You have, you, I mean, you, have, you can't take it out of, out of like, out of your play calling. Can't, you, like, you can't not game plan for it anymore. There's a good stop there from the Okay, so, so what I'm seeing is this team, I know Tennessee Tech isn't the best team in the OVC. What I'm, like, you have to give credit for them playing well, but, Jay, like, we did not play bad. No. This is just one of those no. games where we got beat is really what it comes yeah, down to. No, we didn't, we didn't play bad, but it was... That was... That that was, was see that hit? That was, Let's back up a little bit. That was a little... Was that helmet to helmet? It looked like it. And... Oh, I just want to see the helmet to helmet. Bang. That is helmet to helmet. That's that's close. That's definitely shoulder to helmet. And he was already going down. So Wouldn't I think, that be... No, that, that wouldn't be targeting. A lot of people would plead targeting there, but let's watch it one more time just to get the context of the play. And he throws left, and he's going down, and that... That's defenseless. Yeah, I think yeah. that might qualify as targeting. But nobody on the bench is heated about it. That was Stefferson. They got hit. No, I was Washington. No, that was Stefferson. It was number one. Ooh. It was Washington. I looked at his nameplate. Let's just back up there and, and we'll see. It was Washington. Is this the right spot? Here we go. Let's find out. Screen. One. Watch him get it up. It is tough to tell. Stefferson. That does say Stefferson. Can't confirm. Says Stefferson. You want to clean them glasses you got there, Dubs? I might need you. See, that's... Was that Coop? Yes, that was Coop. That could have been a hit. And not to say Coop is slow, but if he was faster and I think I think could evade hits in the open field, that'd be one thing. But I just don't think Coop's fast enough or agile enough to evade hits like that. I think he's just going to take pops. A uh, little pitch there. Good tackle. See, if you're just watching this, you'd think we have very good tackling. But I just don't believe that to be the case. Now, what they did not show after that touchdown is the two-point conversion. That failed. Mm-hmm. I understand it's late in the game and you're wanting to make it an eight-point game to make it look like you competed, but you could have easily went for a field goal and made it a nine-point game instead of risking going for two and possibly keeping it tended, uh, keeping it. Well, okay. Yeah, so here's the thing. Digits. Well, here's the thing. If you if you kick the extra point there, it's a two-score game, even if, regardless. But when yeah. they score, so, so either you don't get two and it's a two-score game, or you get one and it's still a two-score game. If you take the two-point conversion and you get it, then you know you're an onside kick, deep ball away yeah. from okay, we can actually tie the game. That's the strategy behind that. 
Yeah, I'm you a chance to get. Okay, I understand that, but you you were at fifty four seconds. Yeah, I know. So you only have time for really one onside one. kick and, a, and one drive. So odds are you need to get it to one possession anyway. It's not like it's North Carolina Clemson where they're going for two to win the game, which was stupid. And I understand Gross is thinking on it because at that point, Tennessee Tech's defense was worn down. So, like, if we had another drive, which this is not the first game where this has been the case for us. If we had had one more drive, then we would have won certain games. SEMO being one, Tennessee Tech being another. I mean, like, I just think you got to give yourself a chance. And in that instance, that's what they had to do. They had to go for two. If they kick the extra point with 54 seconds left, then it's a nine-point game. Everything leading up to that, like the tempo of how you're running your offense, you could make that responsible for being putting yourself in that situation. Um, And I think Gross is very bad at time management. But that specific decision, I'm okay with. You have to play the cards you're dealt. In that instance, under a minute, in in this case, you are currently down 10. You go for two and you get it. All of a sudden... They're one score. I mean, it's one score. And you have to take things one drive at a time. And in 54 seconds, that's all you're going to get left. So, because they, by that point, they, I don't know how many timeouts they have left at the moment. But probably wasn't more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. I, I like the decision. Because, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't like John Gross. And I think he's a good guy. He's a JSU guy. He's a great guy. Um, and I'll be the first to say, yeah, I've questioned his, some of his decisions. At the end of the day, he's the one on payroll. He's the one on payroll, and that is our next topic, so. is uh, Gross and his future at JSU. I'll lead with my thoughts. I think, and I think most of us think, that Gross should be on the hot seat. That being said, I don't think he is. I do not expect Gross to get fired after this year. I think he should be, but I don't expect him to be. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I think they're just going to keep him around and say, one bad year, you know, we'll give him another chance. I don't think that's the way it should be. I think we have been consistently declining uh, since 2015, which was a year we went to Frisco National Championship, but that was a a year led by a Bill Clark recruiting class. Uh, Every year we've had a John Gross recruiting class, we've been getting worse and worse. Um, He is terrible at time management. He's terrible at people management. Um, his offensive and defensive coordinator are questionable. Offensive coordinator more so than defensive coordinator. And I would love for Greg Seitz to uh, sit Gross down and be like, it's either you or your coordinators, man. <laughs> in, in, that, in that instance, I'd much rather it be the coordinators. Yeah, I just, every time John Gross does a press conference, it infuriates me. Um, Which he didn't do one this week, from what I understand. Cool. His attitude of... Complacency? Complacency is the word I used when I was talking it's all ranting coach about talk. this. It's all, coach it's all coach talk, but at the same time, after we lose um, our third game, and they're asking the press conference, and he's like, well, you know, if we go 9-3, and three, we'll make the playoffs. It'll be fine, right? And then we lose again, and it's like, well, I don't know what's going on on my TV there. The Americans. Here's my view on it. I agree. Well, I, I don't know, sir. I'm not saying that Coach Gross should be fired this year. I he think is, he should be on the hot he seat. He is on the hot seat for next year. I think if he was fired, we would be a better football team. I agree. I think as of right now, I don't think he's on the hot seat right now. It's getting more and more I think week. people are wanting an article or a press conference saying that Gross is on the hot seat. 
Well, no, I think it's I think it's going to depend on what happens with Eastern Kentucky next week. Well, here's the thing: there's not going to be a press conference. No athletic director in his right mind no. will come out and say, "Hey, our coach is coaching for his job." Yeah, because then that coach is going to say, "You know what? Stick it. I'm out on my own terms." And then he leaves, <laughs> and you're st- and you're stuck paying the rest of his salary. Well, no, actually, he would owe us the rest of his salary. But you're stuck having to find a coach when you thought that you'd have one. That's the same. Like it's not like if they fire him, yeah, sucks for you know sucks for the program at the moment because you don't have a face. Um, I was talking to my dad about this, and he was like, "I think Gross should be, but he's like Eric said. I think he should be, but he's not yeah. at the moment." And he and I both agreed that it'll all depend on how the the season ends up. If he ends up seven and five. It'll still be questionable, but it'll be less likely that he's coaching for his job. If he goes six and six, I guarantee you, Sites is probably going to sit him down and be like, look, you're here for one more year. You're coaching for your job. If you do not do well next season, you're out. I think John Gross has people fooled into thinking he's a great recruiter Um, because every year, or second chance you. That's all it is. Yeah, it's like, oh man, JSU just got this four star from Florida or whatever the situation happens to be. Like, man, John Gross is really pulling him in. Um, Here's and my then we thing. have, but it's only skilled positions. It's only skilled positions. Here's, we do not recruit well in the trenches, which is where football games are won. And what ends up happening, he recruits these skilled players, right? So our offensive numbers look great. Right, like we, how much did we had like three hundred fifty ish pass yards yeah, of no, passing we, we offense? Sling it around. We, we of sling it around. It's great. Um, and that is a band aid over his terrible offensive decision making and the oh, poor offense of of Jimmy Ogle. It's a and it makes it look better than it is. He's Here's, playing us by recruiting these these four star wide receivers and quarterbacks by tricking us into thinking he's a good recruiter and that we have a good offense. Here's my question: What happened to that offensive lineman? Or defensive lineman from Western Kentucky. Oh, the, the O-lineman? Yeah. He's been in and out of the starting lineup. Okay. I, I didn't know if that was him or not. So yeah. is it our offensive line coach? It must be. It must be. Well, I don't know. Because there's a... So, and this is where the issue is. A lot of these starters are newer guys in this screwy system. That I'm still working on identifying. <laughs> I'm still working on on running through every college offense and saying, hey, that's what this looks like. The only thing I can find is Oxford High School 2011. <laughs> Again, <sighs> why are we running the same freaking playbook that Gross ran at a high school? We I, are a college. Because he recruits offensive firepower to cover the fact that he's bad at offense, and so is his offensive <laughs> coordinator. If you guys have learned, like I said... There, there are a lot of things in the FBS that JC looks like that aren't talent-related. Our situation is a lot like Georgia in terms of what our identity is. Great recruiting, subpar field performance, and inability to finish in the postseason. Our coaching situation... Great skill position recruiting, great not overall recruiting. Our, our coaching situation is a lot like Chad Morris. Um, a, lot of coach, a lot of coach talk. Generally, it looks like inability to connect to the players. Something Chad Moore has had an issue with, and obviously he's been fired midseason by Arkansas. That's not going to happen to John Gross. However, 
there's just too many things. Like, there are too many red flags popping up. Oh, absolutely. Like, when, when our receiving core consists of the following people. Josh Pearson. OVC leader in touchdowns and yards last year. Mm-hmm. Tied for the nation, like nation's lead in touchdowns. Jamari Hester. 6'7". And as fast as Josh. May I repeat, 6'7". KJ Stefferson. Four-star guy. Caught touchdowns at Notre Dame. Ahmad Edwards. Strong three-star recruit. I'm pretty sure the microphone is picking up the toilet flushing. I guarantee you it is. That's high high (laughs) quality over here at Cocky Nation for the beak. And I'll even go a step further. R.J. Henderson. Low four-star recruit signed with Florida. To one of the most, yeah. to one of the best offensive ma- masterminds in college football, Dan and that's Moore. not even to talk about who's throwing to them. Zara Cooper, four star, four star guy to Clemson transfer. Got he was the backup, yeah, to Kelly Bryant, yeah. In twenty eight in twenty uh, seventeen, he was and the backup just, to Kelly Bryant. Yep, and and that group of guys just lost to Tennessee Tech. He got playing time. I remember watching the Auburn Clemson game in twenty seventeen when Auburn. Hello, what is that? Was that coming from below or? Zarek got playing time against a Power 5 team, not in garbage time, because that game was a one-possession game the entire time. He came in when Kelly Bryant got hurt, and he led the offense better than Kelly Bryant did. So there's not, we're not devoid of talent or skill positions. And running back, I would, I'd say maybe, because Michael Matthews being our best running back, given who we've had in the past, Truman Pope, Josh Clemens, Rock, Rock Thomas. Thomas, two of those guys have played in the NFL. Might I also add on the coaching situation? I did some digging on like who'd be some good like replacements. And when I was reading on who was the coaching staff for Bill Clark, Jimmy Ogle was the offensive coordinator. Or no, John Gross was, and then Jimmy Ogle was on the offensive coaching staff. Why it's, don't what? what, what <sighs> it, no, it's one. Nothing to Bill Clark. So you have Bill Bobby, Clark who went 11-4 and four in his only season at JSU, went to the quarterfinals, only lost to Eastern Washington by 11 with that offense, which, to be honest, is a lot better than the offense we're running now. Not, nothing to Bill Clark. So it's, why, it's why are big, we running the offense we have now? One big good old boy club. That's what it is. Because I want you to name... The school that John Gross got his degree from. Jackson Jacksonville State. State. I want you to name the school Bill Clark got his degree from. Jacksonville State. I want you to name the degree, the school that Jimmy Ogle Jacksonville got State. his degree from. I would like to I'd like you to name the school that we go to. Jacksonville State. Can't are confirm. You, are Jacksonville you getting State. are you are you catching I'm the pattern? And it, it and that's that's probably what we're gonna have to go back to is having coaches that either played at Jack State... Wait, what do you mean back to? That's where we are. Yeah, well, no, we're stuck there. I, I want to point now, out... I, I want to say that I point since Gross has been head coach, we've had coaches from other schools here. Yeah, but our primary offensive coordinator and head coach, they've been the same. It's still, it's still JSU. But I would like... Let's look at some of the top you know, programs in the country. Both any division. Where did Nick Saban get his degree from? Kent State. Where did Dabo Swinney get his? Alabama. He got it at Alabama. Where did Jimbo Fisher get his degree from? Alabama. He got it at Alabama. I'm almost positive. Kirby Smart's the exception. He went to Georgia. But he's been under Nick Saban at Alabama forever. Ryan Day did not get his degree at Ohio State. 
Mario Cristobal did not get his degree at Oregon. Urban Meyer did not get his degree at Florida or Ohio. Like he didn't. JSU, on the other hand, their last two head coaches, their last two offensive coordinators, and someone who's been on the offensive staff each of, since 2011, well, since 20, no, 2013, wrong year. I was thinking 2011 because that's when Gross was still at Oxford. Um, since 2013, three of their biggest positions, offensive analyst, offensive coordinator, and head coach, have been filled by JSU grads. Yeah. It is all JSU grads. We're going to have to branch out. We've got to branch out. JSU's not part, a big enough school to produce that many high-quality coaches. No, the best programs bring guys in that aren't yep. their people. They bring in outsiders, and yep. that's how they succeed because they stop doing the same stuff they've yep. been doing. So, to summarize, do we agree that we fall on the statement that Gross should be on the hot seat but probably is not? I think he is. I think like, I think his seat is getting warmer every week. I, don't, they continue I think lose. right now he's not getting no, no, I don't think he's getting fired. But it's even if we lose another game, setting up for next fired. year, I think he should be setting up. Will be. Setting up for next year, it keeps getting warmer and warmer. The way the um, season turns out will depend. Will decide yeah. how hot his seat is for next year. Let's hope. So, um, let's move on from football. We're coming up on like forty minutes now. Basketball so, won't take too long because it's a lot of happy thoughts. Yeah, it's a lot of happy thoughts. We are actually recording this straight after uh, JSU played their men's home opener, and we absolutely blew out Brescia. N-A-I-A out of Kentucky. Is that how you pronounce it? I think it's Brescia. It's Brescia. Yeah. It's Brescia. B-R-E-S-C-I-A. The score, I believe, was 125 to 55. A 70-point difference. Cox by 70. Cox by 70. That is a JSU (laughs) Division I single-game record. Yeah. For points scored. Our previous record was 150. No, it was 112. It was 112. I know we're playing a bad team, right? They were 0-4, and and they're an N-A-I-A team. But the boys looked good. They looked like they came they to did. play. I came in not long after the second half um, started because I went to Josh Anderson's recital. Shout out, Josh Anderson. Shut up. Love you, buddy. Congratulations, Josh um, Anderson. But yeah, of what I saw in the second half, our they looked good on defense. Yeah. They looked good on offense. They looked good on passing, shooting, free throws. I mean, they, they looked all yeah, around our f- Really, really, we have shooters. Oh yeah, that's what 100%. we did not have last year, and that's what ended up killing us. Is we didn't have shooters. We, we just had a lot of heart. Last year, we were one of the worst three point shooting teams in college basketball. Yeah. This year, we got shooters. We, we do. Well, I, we, it's not just shooters. We've got guys that are willing to run the court because yeah. because the offense last year, and we've we've touched on it, but we haven't had much to talk about because it's been football season. But now, basketball is kind of in the forefront of our attention. Last year, the offense was, hey, we're going to go inside out with Josh, um, Jason Burnell. Jason Burnell. Over and over again. Yep, and just hope he can muscle his way through and use his lion heart to propel us to victory. The issue is, the best shooter in that starting lineup, coincidentally, was Jason Burnell. Yeah. He had the highest three-point shooter shooting percentage of our starting five. Yeah, and then I believe highest overall was it Detroit and Ware. Yeah, who did not get very many minutes until the very end of the year, um, and then he went now, off. He's getting now. Minutes. Now he's now he's a rotation and player. I want to ask a question: Is there one player that stood out to you today as that's the guy? Oh, one for me. Yes, I, I have this is guys. all y'all because I was only there. for All right, we're gonna I've say got, it. I've got two guys. It's gonna be three, two, one. Say your number one guy. Ready? Three, two, one. Elias Kane Henry. I'll for say, me, it's Kane Henry. I'm going with Elias Harden. So Elias Harden. Funny enough. He wears James Harden's shoes. His last name is Harden. He wears number. He wears number thirteen. 
He has no relation to James Harden whatsoever. Wow. None. What a guy. He's just taking advantage of the opportunity. Good for him. But, Market himself. So, and I agree because Kane was my number two. Okay. Um, Kane for me is he's athletic. He can shoot. He passed very well. Um, he's like six eight, but it looks like he has about a long boy. And he's not the only player on our team that's like that. No, he's not. We no. had some long, skinny boys. Um, I, I, t- I, I picked Elias because he was – and that often sunk us into holes against teams like Murray State or Belmont or Austin P, who play more up-tempo, three-point yeah. style offenses. Which is the offense that finds success in every division, in every league basketball. in modern basketball. You, know, you, you take a guy like Elias who was knocking down threes left and right. When you have a a legit go to shooter like we do this year, that makes things so much easier. You you probably don't remember it from it was my freshman year, so you weren't. I here wasn't yet. here. Um, he was a baby. Can't confirm. I do not remember when I was not here. Yeah. Um. But it was when we won the OVC tournament. Uh huh. And, and went we to had the big dance. We had one of the nation's best three point shooters in Eric Durham. Yeah. Eric Durham don't shot, shot Eric Durham shot about forty eight percent. What a guy. That's decent. He, he was, was a really good shooter. Knocking down threes. I will say, I think we look at Giga's career through some rose-colored glasses. My man was not great no. at inside shooting. Oh, no. I agree. And it was very similar to Morose. Uh, Zeliznak? Our uh, big Slovakian Z- man. Morose Zeliznak, yeah. He was looking like a tranquilized giraffe. Put it nicely. <laughs> Last year, he had a rough year. Morose did not have a good year. He did not get much playing time. When he did, he did not look good. This year, he was starting... He still doesn't look good. Um, I, I, he looks better. He, he looks I, significantly better. I, I would hope he would, he would have looked better. And he does. But he looks significantly better. And also, so he's our big Slovakian. We have um, a Czech. We all, we have two Czech. We have Mark two Czech. We Martin have Rube. the big boy. Who's is that his name? It's Martin Rube. He's, and then there's a little boy, number thirty-one. He is also he is an Winkler. awesome ball handler. He is also from the Czech Republic. So count them. That's three Central Europeans. Um, there is potential up consisting of more Central Europeans than Americans, and if we include Kane Henry in that, <laughs> four Europeans, four Europeans, and a single American. Um, I am hoping and planning to get a Slovakian, a Czechos- or a not a Czechoslovakian, they don't exist, anymore, a Czech Republic, and a, a British flag to wave during the game. My plan. And where and where do you say where's Marvis from? He's from. Lithuania. Uh, right? Not Lithuania. Or that was Slo- Giga. He's from Slovakia. He's from Slovakia. So Slovakia. So we're get a Slovakian two flag. Two Czech Republic. And then Can is Three flags. Yes. Okay. We need three flags. And maybe an American flag. But, you for know. For everyone else. For everyone else. For the players we have on roster. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, that's I'm team. cautiously optimistic. We played a very bad team. Looked really good. Which, you know. Take it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt. But I will say... We have a um, big game coming up this week, this weekend, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We have a huge road trip coming up. We, they're not ranked anymore, but we're playing VCU. We played the started the year ranked twenty four. They were top twenty five. Yeah, we have some big games. So we VCU Tennessee is actually our final non conference yeah. game. Uh, we play Troy is our next home game, I believe. Looking into next week, I think our only game next week is Purdue. And we have Purdue, which is also and Purdue. Game. Those of you wondering, you don't Purdue's pay attention to college anymore. You don't pay attention to college basketball. I understand they no no longer have Carson Edwards. Purdue was in the Sweet Sixteen last year. Yeah, yeah. 
Also, we are playing previously unranked Evansville, who as of tonight is undefeated. Undefeated beat number one ranked Kentucky uh, tonight as of recording this. And in, so, in Lexington, if and we they beat travel, Evansville, they travel here. So if we beat Evansville, then I think it's safe to say that we're better than Kentucky by law. By the law, by, of, yes. Now, by, by what is it? It's relative. <laughs> if we beat them, if we beat Evansville by three, I I don't know if I would say that statement. But if we beat Evansville by as much as we beat them last year, well, but which was how many? Double digits, wasn't yeah. it? Hey, but if we beat Evansville by three, that means that we could beat Kentucky by two. Because Evansville beat them by one. They beat them by three. No. No, that's right. That would mean we could beat them by three. By four. So, so if we beat them by, by, by three, that means we could take Kentucky to overtime. Uh, hold on, hold on. They beat Kentucky. If we beat them by three, they beat Kentucky by one? Oh, wait, no. We, we can beat Kentucky six. by four. I'm doing my math wrong. If we beat Evansville by three, then we yes. beat Kentucky by six. Okay. Cool. Okay. Make sure that's straight. We're doing some addition when there needs to be subtraction and some <laughs> subtraction when there needs to be addition. Um, did you want to touch on the women's program at all? Women's? Oh, y'all. We got a women's team. We they do. so good. They're looking nice. We got I, watched a li- I watched a little bit of the uh, Vanderbilt game and the Florida A&M game. Oh my gosh, our women's are. I, granted, we still got killed by Vandy. That's okay. But we played Vandy hard. It was a, it was it was a one possession game all the way through the first half, and then Florida A and M. I think they 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 it's let, they let their frustrations yeah. out. But I think one. So the biggest issue, the biggest thing is, you know, we've got really good down low play now. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Raven, <laughs> but. She couldn't knock down the layups. She couldn't grab rebounds. And similar to Maro's Zell, uh, neck, she looked a bit like a tranquilized giraffe when she was oh, no. when she was posted. <laughs> oh no! Now we also have. I what's love. Your name? I, I just need to say I love that phrase, tranquilized yeah. giraffe. We also have what's her name, Jesse? Jesse Day. Jesse so, Day. So Jesse Day, hardcore's biggest fan. Um, whenever we play Rooster, she is getting hyped. And last year she didn't get much playing time, and she's now the starting one of the two and starting she's forwards. She's looking good, and she's not small. She's probably six foot. She's she's yeah, she's six even. Um, yeah, she's playing really well. Which in women's basketball is is four height. Yeah, um, and she's she's hustling too. She yeah no, she grabs rebounds, she knocks down shots, she's making free throws this year, which we couldn't do last yeah, year. Yeah, and even our men's are making free throws this year. So is it safe to say that both our men's and women's will probably end up going to? Evansville this year. Wood, well, they both went to Evansville last better year. Better knock on some wood, my guy. They both they went to Evan. Well, they both went to Evansville last year. Yeah. Women lost in their first game, and men won their first. No. Until we play somebody real at home, it's going to be tough to say. So Troy, yeah, because <laughs> Troy's not even that good of a bat. Like Troy doesn't have a, real, a, well, a yes, great basketball but, program, but um, they're better than who we've been playing. Yes. So right. I think we've hit basketball enough. We've talked about everything. Yeah, Troy's over too. Yeah, who they lost to. They lost to UAB by one, nice. and they lost to UTC. <gasps> now UAB is a pretty good basketball program. They've they given... you turn around and lose to UTC. We don't even do that. Hey, Kentucky lost to Evansville today. They're the number one number one ranked team. If we don't lose to Evansville, yeah, for those FCS fans, UTC is University of Tennessee Chattanooga. I remember there it being some 11, confusion about it that. It is eleven oh four, and UTC still sucks. Are we allowed to say sucks on this podcast? 
Yes. Yes. Nice. Correct. Nice. I can we blow can, my steam off. We can say, s- all right. So just to close this, men's our 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 men's team goes on a five game road streak against VCU, Purdue, Chicago State, George Mason, and Alabama. A&M. It's a lot of except that's for a A&M, lot of except for A and M. That's a lot. Well, not not even so much the traveling, but other than A and M, that's a lot of good programs. George Mason has been in has been in the Sweet Sixteen. VCU has been in the Elite Eight. VCU um, has been in the Final Four. George Mason has been in the Final Four. And Purdue has been in the Elite Eight. And the Final Four. Not last year, but they have been in the Final Four previously. Last so year. That's was, what I'm saying about yeah. George Mason, VCU. Yeah, right? like, yeah. So we're around to talk about like the past, but these are all programs that have made the tournament and won games. Yeah, so what I think might end up yeah. happening is we'll have more losses than will look good on yeah. our record, but they'll be. Good loss, not good well, loss. Like, good well, losses. Well, it's like last year we lost. We lose to West Virginia and Wichita, two teams that were in the NCAA tournament the year before. West Virginia and, and Wichita, both really good programs. Yeah. So like you, you look at those those losses through a different lens. And I also think that there's something to be said for strength of schedule. Oh, 100%. Um, improving your your team and you the know, you know, like if if you. If you surround yourself with people that are stronger than you, you're not going to be the weakest one among them for very long. Exactly. You know I mean? um, and to and call I think out, that's going to help us. And to call out the NCAA, you're talking about improving your team and like eye tests and whatever. Mm-hmm. That's why men majors struggle to get more than one one team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't have tournament-worthy teams. Like last year, the OVC, you could argue that both Murray State, Belmont, and JSU yeah. were all capable of going to the tournament and competing with someone. Or the NIT. But, well, yeah, but, like, just for the purposes of the NCAA, the reason that they don't get those teams in isn't that they aren't capable. It's that no one knows their eye test. Other than they're going to say, oh, they went to they went to Wichita and lost by 15. They went to um, they went to VCU and lost by, by 10. They went to Purdue and got, ran off the court. Like, that's what they're going to see. They're not going to actually see the eye test mm-hmm. in mid-majors. What we define mid-majors are is very different in basketball than in, than in football. Because in any conference that is not the Power Five plus the American, the American and, the Atlantic, and the Atlantic 10 and the Big East and the WAC, like there's a lot no, of... WAC is mid-major. Is, is, is WAC mid-major now? Yeah. Okay. But there are a lot of like, there are more power conferences. There are yeah. more what are considered major conferences in basketball. Mid-majors struggle to get teams in because... Pays attention to them. Exactly. They really don't. Um, so, yeah. So, there's that. So, going on to women's, our next five games are at Troy, at Alabama State, home against Fort Valley State, at Oakland, and home against... Oakland? Yeah. Home against uh, Clark Atlanta. It's a lot of flying. Going over to California. Good for them. Mm. They're, they're not in... Talking just Oakland University. Mm-hmm. I was thinking they were going to Oakland, like the city. Yeah, I'm like, if they're going to Oakland, that's a little far for for OVC it's women's like, basketball. That's uh, well, Oakland's in the Horizon Conference, so it's not over there. Horizon Conference is what Northern Kentucky is in, and Youngstown State. Is this Oakland in? I feel like you gotta put if you're gonna call yourself Oakland, you've gotta. Do the way Miami, Ohio does, where you put in parentheses what your state is. <laughs> because if you if someone just says Oakland, immediately your thought goes to the Bay Area. Michigan, yeah. Rochester Hills, Michigan. Rochester Hills. Rochester Hills, Michigan. The, they good not, for them. Whatever, dude. I'm 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 
I, I love that for them. I, I, I love that they're using one of the biggest cities in California as their, as their university's Roger name. Doke. On to Firebird. You're up. So, Firebird's splitting the two teams this weekend for Cluckfest. Ultimate Frisbee. Yes, it is the... For everybody who doesn't. JSU's club Ultimate Frisbee team. We are not Gamecock uh, sponsored, which is why we do not have any JSU stuff. We host our tournament Cluckfest, and we split into two teams called X and Y, and the reason we called them X and Y and not A and B is because a, if you have an A, a team, and a B team, it means that you effectively split your team in half from a talent standpoint. And our A team would wreck most teams at that tournament, if not all of them. It wasn't, I mean, it was teams that we've played and beaten before. And our A team club over the summer and play Summer League and Winter League. But X and Y means that you and you split the team in half not talent-related. It, it's, it, it's technically becomes talent-related because obviously the draft or a forehand versus Cameron Bourne, who can do both plus all the other fancy upside-down throws like Thummers, flip, um, thummers Scoobers, and Hammers. And so, chicken. I mean, you can like it's A and B is a top bottom. Yes, X and top y, half bottom half. X and, X and y, y is just it's even, even talent to 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 some degree. As even as as even as it works out, as even as it works out to be. The Y team, from a talent standpoint, ended up not being as good as X, and that's not me saying that because I was on X. That's me saying our best players were on Y, and some of our best players were on X. Cameron Bourne was on X. A lot of our best cutters were on X. Um... A lot of our best rookies were on X. On Y was one of our assistant captains, Andrew Record. He's not, he's just our coach, and some ro- and other rookies. Like like so X itself, like Y itself is not great. But at the end of the day, X well two days X and Y both came around around five hundred. Now we take that with a grain of salt because the squads we were playing were either. Running Savage, which in Ultimate Frisbee terms, if you're running Savage, you have seven players. And if neither of you understand Frisbee at all, you have seven players on the field at all times. So if you only have seven players at a tournament, oh, I see. Now. You're not substituting ever. No. So it's kind of like a baseball or softball team who only has nine players at a game, and you're literally playing everybody the entire game. Yes, but unlike I want to know why baseball softball is the example specifically. Because you would well, that because that's a lot of standstill. In ultimate, it's movement constantly. But my my tie-in is it's, like I there's mean, only nine players. They only have seven, and you're having to play. Yeah, those play all your players. I just want to know why you chose baseball softball. Because I play baseball and I coach softball. That's the only way oh, I can. Well, there we go. But um, yeah. So running savage, not fun. We beat the teams that ran savage, but other teams like UAB and MTSU brought full squads. And didn't split into X and Y. Uh-huh. So MTSU was running 31 people on and off the field between that's, their sublines. That's a lot of people. Yeah, well, it's it's fall. Fall teams are usually a lot bigger because you haven't split into A and B. Usually you want to take 20 people to a tournament. Sometimes less, sometimes more like 15 or 16. But 20 people is kind of the cap um, for a, for like your A team. But these, but like UAB and MTSU both have 25 or 30 people. We did. We had like 15 per team. We're a really big team. So we should take it with a grain of salt. Last year at our first sanctioned tournament ever, we railed UAB with a full squad. We won our first 14 games the year last year with a full squad. So it has to be taken with a grain of salt that when we go 500 with with two half squads and then go full squad for a tournament, generally we're going to be a lot better. Um, So yeah, 
It was our final tournament of the year. But yeah, so Firebird, good moments. There were some bad moments. There, you know, there was some some sloppy play against his own defense, which we haven't really seen like a ton this year. We've seen it at tournaments, but we haven't really seen it much in practice. I know why, and I'm not going to say why on the podcast, but yes. not for not for good reasons. Going up against teams that run fairly good zones isn't easy, especially for guys who haven't seen a lot of zones. But there were good moments for both teams. There, there were points that looked really, really smooth. It was, but it was also weird because against said teams that were running savage, usually in in in, in ultimate, you'll basically get to the equivalent of of the twenty five yard line which is three quarters of the way from one one go on to the other, and you'll get out of zone if you're in zone. You'll go to man, um, which is called a crumble. It's called a crumble defense. When you crumble out of a zone and get the person closest to you and you're in man the rest of the way. These teams running savage do not do that. They stay in zone, in in zone and red in like in the end zone um area, which is almost never seen. So for us, running our you know, running our normal offense, which is, is fine, pushing it up the field. But getting closer to the end zone, you have more specific sets. They're supposed to be running against man because you don't ever see zone. So that 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 was weird. But as a whole, we still scored. We still found ways to score. We just had to adjust. And, you know, that's what it takes, um, adjusting to whatever you're given to you. And so, you know, there's promise. We'll see in the spring. This was our last tournament, I should say. This is why I'm saying we'll see in the spring. We'll see in the spring really how good this team is. Because we'll get we'll get to our A and B teams and we're gonna start well, not A and B. We're gonna get to A team. Because we're really not gonna have a B team. We're gonna get to our tournament roster and we're gonna look a lot better. Um these lines will have chemistry. It'll be a lot of really good players. All right. Oh good. So yeah, so all right. So volleyball, just real quick. They won their two games this past week. Good for uh, them. Against Fantastic. Eastern Kentucky and Moorhead State. Eastern Kentucky, they won 3-1. They run their streak so they, so they to, to seven matches now, right? Two. I'm planning on going to Oh, wait, that's right. They, they, they lost. lost to SEMO. That's right. I and forgot that they lost. They beat Moorhead 3-0. Yeah, they lost to SEMO like the day after we recorded yeah. last week. Who do they play on that's Saturday? Because that's, that's when anybody on Saturday. This Saturday, this upcoming. Because that's what I'm planning on being my first JSU volleyball game. Isn't that exciting? Really? Yeah, I've never been to one. I'm going home after. I'm going to be at the Auburn Georgia game in the student section. We play Belmont this Friday and Tennessee State on Saturday. I'm not going to be there on Friday. Uh, So we're coming back from Indianapolis. Yeah, we have have prior obligations. So before we move on to that, uh, volleyball is 17 and 19 overall and 11 and 3 in conference. I'll say it should be 17 and 19? They're 17 and 9. Oh, you said 19. He said 19. Sorry, 17 and 9. And well, then eleven them. and three in conference. That volleyball's good. Yeah, yeah, they're looking good. So it should be stated they started six and six in non-conference play, and have ran off. Yeah, with the OVC to this point. All right, so, so on to the marching Southerners. So for those of you that don't already know, per Dr. Bodiford's Facebook posts and the Southerners' Twitter and Instagram pages posting about Indianapolis this week. Uh, the Marching Southerners got invited to perform after prelims at the Bands of America Grand National Championships and yeah. at Lucas Oil Stadium. So I know Caleb has not participated in a BOA event, but myself and Eric have. So I guess we'll just answer these questions. So what exactly is BOA? 
for those that don't know? So in my mind, uh, BOA is the most competitive high school marching band circuit in the country. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, it's a method of standardization. So, for example, you get a very good high school band um, that wins whatever local little competitions they go to all the time. And you have another high school band in a different area that, you know, maybe gets a very similar score but loses every single competition, right? But BOA, it's a standardized method of judgment. So you can effectively compare yourself to other bands across the nation. Right. And might I add this, the scoring is a lot like Drum Corps International yeah. scoring. The way I like to think about it, and that's easiest for people to comprehend, is um, most of the time, or the, the way you can think about it is local competitions are just hosted by whatever local high school and are just not affiliated with anything. You can say that they start grading from 100, right? And when you mess up, they dock right. you points, right? You can think of BOA as the opposite. You start at zero, zero and, and you earn all your points, yes. right? So um, it ends up attracting more competitive band programs. Um, so for those of you that don't know what kind of shows these bands do is they are more conceptual. They are, they have a storyline. They um, are dealing with a certain theme concept storyline and they show that through music, visual props, all the it's this bands of america is very theatrical it's very 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 theatrical but to build off of the scoring it's a lot more musical based i guess you could say than more local competitions so sorry caleb i'm going to use your high school <laughs> as an example auburn high school they play loud Hey, hey! Look, they they we, don't they don't have they don't play soft. Hey, we want they play south. loud. We want yes, they, yes, y'all did, but we, we, they we play clean, loud. We got a clean sweep in itself. They don't they don't play soft. They play loud all the time. These BOA it's bands they they put. <laughs> I will defend my high school band. <laughs> what we were in twenty sixteen is not what we are in twenty nineteen. I can confirm that Doctor, well not Doctor, Mister Wine has changed this program for the. They have contrast. Regardless. But my point is, these high schools are very more musical in their playing. They play a lot of dramatic uh, dynamics in their music, and it really shows in their score. Visually, it all deals with general effect, how well you execute the show, how well the show is designed, how well you perform the show, do your props make sense? If you add any other general effect stuff, does it make sense? Yeah. Um, and it ends up, like I said, attracting the more competitive band programs in the country. So this competition that we're going to perform an exhibition at is Grand Nationals. So effectively... It is the 90... This year, they have 92 bands total registered. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's the most the, competitive of the most competitive. It is the 90... It is 92 of the best high school marching bands in the country. Now, if you really wanted to to be a nerd, if you're a BOA nerd, you could probably argue that BOA San Antonio Super Regional is a more competitive competition than BOA Grand National. I would agree with that. But that's a whole thing that I don't really care to talk about. But uh, talking- it's effect it's great it's the national stage. It is it is the biggest band competition, the marching band high school band competition in America. Uh point blank period. 
The states that will be represented at this contest range from anywhere from California, Georgia, Texas. Um, occasionally, you'll have an Alabama school there, Tennessee, New York, South Carolina, North Carolina. I mean, it is a lot of states that are going to be represented at this competition. So we are literally using this as a recruiting tool to recruit students from all over the country. Yeah, and that's why we've built a show that's very drum corey and borrows a lot from drum corps concepts. So that um, concepts uh, it borrows a lot from actual. It shows. borrows a lot from very specific parts of specific shows. Um, but it's Except it's Wind parts Sprints. of shows. Wind Sprints is more yeah. high school based. But it's it's parts of shows that a lot of people like, and um, mm-hmm. the idea I mean, is that we'll go. To the most competitive. Our ballot was used by three different cores at this Atlanta alone. But did we announce our ballot before those those cores yes, announced we did. their ballots? Yes, yeah. we did. Technically. <laughs> we did it first. They copied us. Technically. Um, but I digress. <laughs> um, um, the idea is that, you know, you go to the most competitive band competition in America. Because in reality, most of the people that march uh, in Southerners first saw Southerners in exhibition at a band competition they went to. So the idea is that we'll go to the biggest band competition there is and the best kids in the country will see us and they'll be like, okay, I'm going to go march Southerners. And then we have a recruiting class. And so I John Gross, out, take notes. And I found out today <laughs> there is a girl in the Melophone section from Texas. Like really? She lives in Texas and decided to go to Jacksonville State and be in Southerners. Wow. Good for her. And if, if you don't know as a listener... Or a watcher now, hey yo, uh, Texas is like the state for marching band and band in general. It's a state for anything. They just dumb. Like I said, BOA San Antonio Super Regional is probably more competitive than uh, BOA Grand Nationals, um, just because Texas bands just dominate. They completely dominate. They dominate to the point where they had to have restrictions put on when they could start practice, when they could start drill how long they could practice, how many hours they ha- they can practice a week. I mean, it yeah, is monsters. ridiculous. They they're treat marching band as a sport yeah. over there. Yeah. They're monsters. Now, last thing before we wrap everything up, there will be another collegiate band from Alabama. Is it UAB? No, it's UNA. UNA, sorry. That's what UNA I meant <laughs> is not... We are the only band performing during prelims. UNA is performing after semifinals. So, oh. shout out to the Marching Pride. Is, wait, what day is... What day is Friday? Saturday. We're performing on Friday. Right. Which is At the end of prelims. Semis. Prelims is on Thursday. Prelims is Thursday and Friday. Do not argue with me on this. Oh, I've read the schedule. I have looked at because the, we're the very end of the night. The DOA schedule. We're the end of the night on Friday. I have looked at the BOA schedule from the website. Can't look at my phone. Yeah, we are. We're at like eight o'clock on Friday. We're list. We're listed as a, as a semis performance on pretty much every website. It is not semifinals. I guarantee you. Are you saying so? Prelims runs full length two days. Yes, because we're the last performance so, of Friday. So regional competition at BOA is in one day. So it's only on a Saturday. So you have prelims yeah, in like during the day, day and finals at night. Super regionals is a two-day thing. They start Friday night. They have finished prelims on Saturday. They have finals that night. Grand Nats, they start because they have 92 bands, or over 90 bands every year competing. They start on Thursday. They have a Thursday prelims starting at sometimes 7 o'clock in the morning. 
And yeah, I had they, performed at BOA Super Regional at about 7 o'clock in the morning, and yeah. that was the worst thing ever. Yeah, and then they continue on into Friday. Friday night is the end of prelims, and so semifinals is on Saturday morning, ends about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they have about a three-hour break, and then they start finals on Saturday okay, night. Well, then, there are a lot of websites that are listening to us. It's the wrong yeah, we'll check that after we finish recording. There are a lot of websites that listen to the semis performance, and yeah, I've been going wrong. by that. UNA is a semis performance. Either way, it's a big crowd. It's going to be a big crowd of We got the best lives. Like they said, I, I never marched BOA. <laughs> because when I, was in, when I was at Auburn High, we didn't start competing until my junior year, and no one even wanted to do them. We did them because our band director at the time was like, hey, we're going to go. I came from Prattville and from Sparkman. They're both good bands. Shout out to my alma We're going to make you guys good bands, a good band too. And we were. We didn't win a single thing until like the year after he left. Got fired. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, the reality is um, on the BOA circuit, you pretty much know who's going to win before the competition even happens because it's a – in an activity can, like marching band, there's no defense. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you're never going to have uh, you, an upset situation where, like, this nobody school comes in and beats the number ranked school in the country. It's just never going to happen because there's, mm-hmm. there's no defense. Now, you, have, you have upsets <laughs> on down the rankings. Well, yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's like people, never in the top unless it's another top school that you thought was not going to win, but you knew that they were going to finish in the top five. Yeah, it's, if you have an upset, it's like somebody jumping from 5th to 7th or something weird. And it's like usually the programs that you would well, expect. All yeah. I was about to say, because obviously I'm not, I never marched with it, but I'm familiar enough with it to know, you know, the dedication and the stage that it's on. And when you look at something like, like DCI Finals, when people are jumping around left and right, 2015, for example, BD got penalized first round for warm-up infractions. So they were in 5th place. Either fifth or fourth place. They were fifth. They were out of medals. They jumped to second because they weren't penalized in, um, during their semis warm up. But no one expected them to jump crown. But then again, which I'm still salty about fifteen. Crown, not okay. About so it. they deserved it. They their drum line was dumb and got drunk before finals. It's their fault. <laughs> it Life comes at you it fast. It is their fault. Life comes at you fast. They deserved it. But like, I'm just, just saying, saying like, we we we're staying but, at a pretty nice hotel on Thursday night. Right? Yes, in Louisville, Kentucky. So so we may encounter a similar issue. Yeah, let let's. If you listen to the Southerners, be smart. Please be smart. Be smart because be I'm not going to be the reason that. Southerners has a bad run on Friday night. And I'd I swear sh- to God, if if either this is to all the marching Southerners, <laughs> if one of y'all messes up this performance for <laughs> literally everybody, not only I, but there's probably others that will probably come after you. It'll be fine. That's a John Gross attitude. It'll be fine. Shout out. Just wait till Dr. next year. Botterford. Just wait till next year. If you're listening to Doctor B, shout out. We appreciate you. Marching at Lucas Oil is a is a dream that you're fulfilling for a lot of people. So yeah, this is my third time performing. So at Lucas Oil, mm-hmm. two were drum corps. Yeah, nice. All right, boys. Um, I think we got a nice episode recorded here. We're uh, just under uh, an hour twenty. It's a bit lengthy, but uh, I feel like we had a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. We did. Um, any final thoughts? Dude, it's basketball season. It's basketball season. Fear the beak. This is this is a, a really good week. 
Yeah, we're, we've changed the setup, if you haven't noticed that. We are no longer in Brandon's apartment. We are now in my dorm. Um, we're figuring it out. Um, sorry for all the listeners who had to sit through the uh, us watching highlights and commenting on them section. And sorry for the viewers who had to watch highlights on a tiny TV behind a microphone. And sorry for um, the listeners. Last week's episode, we got to listen, listen to a potato recording. Yeah, don't know why that happened. That's um, weird. We're still trying to figure some things out. Um, we're, shooting, some, we're shooting for a, for a real studio. Yeah, uh, having more than one microphone will help. Uh, that is a setup for the future. We're trying to figure some stuff Hopefully out. Hopefully it's recording. spring semester. Yeah, but uh, we should only see improvements from here, but uh, give us a little bit of time to adjust. So, Cox by 90. Cox by 90. Fear the Beak. Football does not play this week, so it's all basketball. Let's go. Fear the Beak. Cox by 90. Uh, fire coach John Gross, over and out.